you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Welcome to season number three of the Write Hour. This season, I have created an excellent lineup for you of writers that I've interviewed. They're going to share their success and their struggles to help you and me. Today, I have the honor of interviewing James Ransom, known as the Master Wordsmith. He is a Wall Street Journal bestselling editor, ghostwriter, and book coach who has helped over 200 consultants, coaches, speakers, and other thought leaders create high-quality books. His clients have gone on to sell thousands of books to receive book deals from publishing houses and featured in regional as well as national media outlets. In addition to his own clients, James is a writer and a book doctor for the Thanet House Publishing and is recommended on the professional list for Scribe Media, formerly known as Book in a Box, My Word Publishing, Bright Flame Books, and Authors Unite. So today, we're discussing his second book, Don't Write a Crappy Book. It will be published in October of this year. He's a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University and lives in Atlanta with his fiance and a very needy cat. I hope you find great tips that'll help you with your writing today. Enjoy. Well, welcome, James. I'm so happy to have you here on the first episode of season three. And I would love for you to just tell all of the listeners a little bit more about you and your journey into writing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This is super fun. And I love that I get to kick off the season. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, yes. I have loved words since I knew what they were. And I, I knew uh, mostly through growing up that I wanted to do something with words. And that led me into a number of different uh, different paths. I worked as a grant writer for a while. I did writing for a symphony orchestra. I've done a number of other things like that. Uh, and then when I started doing freelance work, I did a lot of article writing and some article editing and stuff like that. You know, a lot of a lot of freelance writers start out that way, and some of them continue that way, and that's fine. Um, but after I had been doing freelance stuff for a few months, I had a couple of friends approach me and say, hey, we're writing books and we know you do word stuff. Maybe you can help me edit them. And I was like the, the light bulb over my head just went off. Uh, and I was like, ah, this, this is a thing. This is something I could do. And, you know, four years later, I'm still doing it. And it's great. And I, I obviously not every day is amazing, but I, I love that I get to work with words and I get to work with people and I get to help those people feel really good about the words that they're writing. And that's, that's a great day any day. Yes. I think that's great. I heard someone um, call themselves a book doula. And I think that's really ah. great <laughs> that we help people birth their books. You know, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a book is yours in the same way that a child is yours. I mean, there's, there, it's, not a, it's not a complete metaphor, but it's, um, a book is yours the way few other things that you ever create will be yours. So it's no coincidence that there's a lot of overlap in analogies between, you know, birthing a child and writing a book. I've heard, I've heard a lot of that. Definitely. 
So did you know as a child you wanted to write or did you? Kind of, sort of. I mean, because I love to read. I love to read. And I always have, like, since I was, since I I learned to read when I was like two and I just never stopped. And um, so what ended up happening, uh, initially I wanted to be, to write fantasy and sci-fi. And I, because I love to read those genres. And as I grew older, I kind of realized that because I love to read them, I actually wanted to write them a lot less. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I may go back to them at some point, who knows, we'll see. But um, I, I, I loved reading them. And that, for some reason, made writing them a lot harder, uh, mm-hmm. made it seem like more of a chore. And it's, it's why I don't edit fiction today, honestly. I only edit uh, nonfiction. I only work with entrepreneurs and business owners because, like, I mean, it's still a lot of fun to read their stuff. But I don't feel like I'm going to start hating something that I really, really love by trying to make a job out of it. Right, right. I get it. I get it. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm writing fiction now, and it is a mm-hmm. whole different ball game. And when you start yeah. figuring out how the puzzles fit, pieces of the puzzle fit, when you're reading somebody else's, you're like, well, why would they do that there? You, know? <laughs> you become real sure. critical. and like, Or sometimes it's like, Ooh, this is a good idea. Then you want to make sure you don't steal it, <laughs> like inadvertently. Right, 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 right. Because <laughs> you're writing like, well, you know, in that book they did that. Maybe I should do that. You know, so I see your point on that one. So mm. you have written a new book, and it's about to release. Have we? Do we have a new release date yet? Uh, uh, October first. October first. So yes. it's what inspired you to write. Don't write. A crappy book which by the way I love the title. <laughs> Thank you. No I, I have a lot of fun with that one because I have worked with a lot of people who have been told or have found in their research a lot of advice that essentially tells them hey all you need to do is write a crappy book and then market it to death and that's all you need to do to make money and be successful and you know become a a seven-figure author, coach, millionaire, whatever. And it doesn't really work like that. Um, And a lot of these authors, in addition to, you know, sometimes that's the only advice that they'll ever find because a lot of the people giving that advice are some of the loudest voices in self-publishing today. Uh, But on top of that, there are a lot of mistakes that authors make without knowing that they're making them. And Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily their own fault. Occasionally, they'll make a conscious decision that maybe they shouldn't. And I do talk about that in the book. But a lot of it is they're doing what they think is right, or they're doing what they feel like works the best for them, but they don't have the whole picture, or they don't have exactly the perspective or the experience to know whether that's a good move or not. And so they'll do what they think is good, and it'll only end up pretty good or it'll be kind of sort of halfway decent, or it might not even be good at all. And, you know, that isn't their fault, but they don't necessarily know how to do it any better because they don't know what the mistakes are and they don't know how to avoid them. And that's what this book is about. Don't write a crappy book. It goes through 18 major mistakes and a number of sub-mistakes because some of the some of the 18 have two or three or four sub-mistakes that go with them. Right. Uh, that an entrepreneur or business author may be making without realizing that they are making that mistake. And then we talk about, you know, how do we avoid that and how do we fix that? Yeah, I think that's excellent. And I have, I have not been able to finish it yet. I will tell the truth there. That's all right. <laughs> but I that's have right. perused it, it through it some. And it is great. It is great because like when I know when I started writing, 
there was a lot of things you just don't know what you don't know. And yeah. you, you have to figure out and the, you hear so many voices and it's hard to know, okay, well, is that the best way? Are they saying the best thing or is this the best way? Cause you know, one person says do it this way. One person says do it this way, you know, yeah. one, and, and you can get uh, to the paralysis analysis. You absolutely trying to can. follow too many people. And I finally I had to, to pick one or two to listen to that I liked, that I resonated with, that I felt were credible, and just not worry about the rest. The rest may have good ideas, but you can't do everything in one book. <laughs> right, absolutely. And actually trying to do everything, trying to cram everything into one book is one of the mistakes that I talk about because it's, it's very common for an author who runs a business and has a life story that has lessons involved in it and has particular experiences they want to relate and all this other stuff. They want to put everything into one book. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that's not one book, that's three or four. Right. And each of the three or four is for a different audience and will have a different impact on that audience and will do a different thing for their business. So trying to just download their entire brain into the one book is it's a great example of a, of a mistake that they probably don't know that they're making. Right, because they don't understand how to break it down and like exactly said, and they don't know understand audience and what that means and why can i do this on one book when actually it's smarter to break it down to it have, absolutely is you know to have it because a, a book for a particular niche is going to have more impact than a book for everybody <laughs> yep I, I, I like to I like to quote uh, in, in a little bit tongue in cheek, but I like to quote Marie Forleo whenever that comes up because she goes into her you know New York accent where she's like, if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I love Marie too. Yep. So definitely. Well, what made you decide to become a writing coach and an editor and I and you ghostwrite? You know, where did that come along in your journey? You, you told us a little bit about it, but just tell us a little more. Sure. sure. So um, there are a couple of moments that I can point to where I knew this was something that I wanted to do. And the first one was actually, it didn't have as much to do with the writing itself as it did with just the lifestyle, this, the being an entrepreneur, being my own uh, boss and all of that fun stuff. I was at a TEDx event uh, during my first year of graduate school. And uh, one of the speakers was a guy named Sean Ogle. And Sean runs locationrebel.com. He teaches people how to be location independent. And he also helps to run World Domination Summit for a few years and stuff like that. So I, uh, his talk was called The Future of the American Dream. And it was all about being location independent. I remember sitting there as this you know, first year graduate student studying arts management um, trying to figure out what I was going to do in that regard and sitting there in this audience listening to Sean give this talk and going I want to do that <laughs> and, and I actually got to meet Sean and get to know him a good bit later and he's been uh, a, a good role model in general through this entire process but one of the things that I got from from learning from him was that usually a, a very common way to start out being location independent is through freelance writing and I was like, well, I already have, you know, this, a lot of writing experience. I've loved words forever and so on. So I would really like to do that. And that's, that's sort of where things got started. And then 
the downside to that is when you get started writing articles, you tend to do a lot of them for very little pay and it kind of takes up to be your entire life and you want to just beat your head against the wall. And <laughs> that definitely happened. <laughs> uh, and, and that was sort of when my couple of friends who had books to be edited sort of came into the picture and, and things started moving in that direction. And the more I did that, the more I started to realize that there were people out in this world who really care about writing a high quality book, mm-hmm. who they are going to work with an editor or a book coach or a ghostwriter because they want to write the absolute best book they can. And that they're going to use that book for the next you know, 10 or 20 years as a cornerstone of their business. And what I love about those people is not only do they know what they want, they are actually looking for a partner. They're not looking for something that someone to outsource things to. They're not looking for an employee. They're not looking for a contractor. They are looking for someone who's going to work with them as an equal. And I love being yeah. that person. Yeah. I love being that person where I can have a conversation with someone and say, okay, here are three things that just absolutely don't make sense in what you just wrote. And here's why, and here's what we need to do to make them better. And they will go, okay, that's awesome. Let's do it. And I'm like, score. That's, I, I, I live for that. It's fun. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And I love, I'm the same thing, you know, when their eyes light up and they, they realize, Ooh, I could do this or this could mm-hmm. happen or just seeing them progress in their writing. You know, I, I love watching them from, you know, like, it's like baby birds when they're learning how to eat and then mm-hmm. they, they learn how to fly, you know, yeah. you, when you see them start flying and they're able to write well on their own and you're just taken aback, like, Ooh, that's a great line or that, yeah. you know, or is a great story. <coughs> I love how you wove that story together into the content and, and it just, it is, it's fun. I love collaborating and I think that's, that's part of why it's so enjoyable for me too. So I, I totally get how that is. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's another kind of high, don't you think? It's like, it is. No, it totally is. And it's, and it's a, it's a situation where their skills and my skills uh, will come together to create something that neither of us could have done by ourselves. So you right. get a little bit of a one plus one equals three kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's super fun. And you know, there are, there are, people out there who aren't looking for that absolutely and there are you know I'm you know not usually the right professional for them to work with and that's okay there are other professionals who work in different ways and that's you know that's fine too so I I totally get it well tell me why do you feel people struggle to write a professional book what do you what have you seen well Without going through every single mistake that I talk about in my book. Um, highlights, think, James, highlights. <laughs> I know, right? So, so there are three sort of high-level categories of mistakes that people make without meaning to, usually without meaning to. Um, the first one is that they don't write a book that they're really proud of which usually means in some way that they will cut some corners or they'll be in a hurry or they'll, they'll miss a piece or they'll, they'll not be writing the book for the right reason or something along those lines. But what they end up with is a text that instead of them being like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so happy about this. I'm so proud of this. I really want to use it for my business. Now they have something to be like, all right, yeah, I wrote something. Eh." And, and that's, I and mean, then they go to promote that. 
yeah, and then you go to promote that. And how are you going to promote something when the main thing you think about it is meh? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that works very well. No. Uh, so, that, that, so that's one category of mistakes, not writing a book that you're proud of. That can lead to some struggles. And then the second one is not connecting that book to your audience. Mm -hmm. And that actually ties back into what we were saying earlier when I was imitating Marie Forleo, uh, where, um, you know, writing a book for your audience is not the same as writing a book for anyone you might talk to. And there is some work that goes into that that not everybody wants to do, not everybody knows how to do. Right. Um, it's, it's not the easiest thing and it's not always automatic. So there's a number of things around audience connection that authors can miss or forget or or make mistakes on without realizing or it. totally forget about it. you know like totally don't yeah. do it because they didn't even really you know some people they get this great idea and you know I've, I've been to writers conferences and they're like I hear people I'm gonna write a memoir about my life and in my head I'm thinking okay well maybe your life is amazing to you but is there a point to it you know are you gonna Mm -hmm. Are you going to write with a point? Is Because I feel like memoirs have gotten to mainly overdone and they need to okay. have a point. You know, there needs to be a point to it. Why are you writing this story? Is it to help people overcome a struggle? Is it to help them, you know, point out that, like an interview I just did about corruption in the family, um, mm -hmm. you know, government where... We're, we're putting children at risk and the government, you know, judges are perpetuating this because they're not looking right. at all sides or they're corrupt or whatever may be the case. You know, what is the point of the story? That that's the mm -hmm. thing that I feel a lot of people sometimes in their zeal, zeal to get out there a book and their story, they forget that they need to, well, who are you going to be writing this to? Who's yeah. Who's going to want this? And who's yeah. your target audience? And there's there's a certain amount of self-interest that's going to go into writing a book because, you know, it's yours. But you, you need to go a step or two beyond that. So it isn't just I'm writing this book because it's my story and I like it. It's, you know, I'm writing this book because there are people who can get value from hearing my story. And so I'm going to tell it in such a way that they will get that value. Definitely, definitely. Which kind of leads yeah. us into our next questions. How can they connect with, how can writers connect with their audience? Either, you know, during the writing process and after mm -hmm. when they're ready to publish. Sure. Some ideas that you pass along to your clients. Sure. So the, um, the first key in connecting with your audience is knowing who your audience is. And then the second key that goes right along with that is knowing who your audience isn't. Mm -hmm. and you you kind of have those are I guess they're two sides of the same key and now I'm mixing my metaphors but I mean they're um you know the the understanding of who you want to talk to and who you don't really want to talk to you know you need to understand those two things in order to know what it is that you're going to say to those people so as an example um this book that I'm writing don't write a crappy book I am writing it for entrepreneur and uh, entrepreneur authors who want to to use a book to grow their business. I'm not writing it for fiction authors, and you know nothing against fiction authors. I'm sure you know maybe there's some fiction authors listening right now. Hi, uh, but you know I love you guys, but I don't work with you, and therefore I don't know what you struggle with. 
nearly as well as I know what business authors struggle with because those are the people I work with. Those are the people I've been working with for four years. So if I was trying to write a book about how to write a great fiction novel, other than the fact that I haven't written one myself, so I'm not qualified, I've not worked with you know, fiction authors enough to be able to say, these are the problems that you guys have, the mistakes that you're making, here's how to fix them. So, you know, I mean, you can read my book if you want, I won't object, but, and you'll probably get some value out of it, but it's not a book that I specifically wrote for you. Right. It is a book that I specifically wrote for entrepreneur authors who want to write business books. And, and so that there's, there's this, um, this decision you kind of have to make to be willing to polarize a little bit, to be willing to, say to some people this book is not for you in order to say to other people this book is definitely for you right. and that's not a mean thing that's not a malicious thing I don't yeah. hate fiction authors but it is a conscious decision that you need to make to be able to say no this is who I'm talking to and and because I'm talking to these people I'm not talking to these other people and that's right. okay and that's and then, exactly what you sorry. learn that's okay that's exactly what you have to learn is mm-hmm who to talk to, who not to talk to. Do you have a couple points on how do they find those people to talk to? Is it from clients? Is there surveys? Um, are there any like specific things that you give in the book that help people find their audience? So the, there's a little bit of a cheat code because if you're writing a book to help grow your business, your ideal clients are going to overlap a lot with your ideal readers. And that, I mean, it's going to depend a little bit on what you want the book to do. Like if you want the book to attract, you know, potential employees to your company versus attract potential consulting clients, those are going to be two different books. But, you know, if you are thinking about your ideal reader, it's going to have, that person is going to have a lot in common with your ideal client because they're the kind of person that you're going to want to talk to to help understand how your business can help them and and can solve whatever problem it is that they have so and that's especially true if you're writing a a sales book a book that's actually supposed to help you get clients because a lot of that is going to be handling objections a lot of that is going to be figuring out everything that every objection that a potential client might have and then making each one of those a chapter just Mm -hmm. as as one example might be yeah um so, so there's that. And then, you know, the other side of it is who, who is not your ideal client? Who don't you want to work with? Um, who, who is somebody that, and you can think, you can think of actual people for these, by the way, it doesn't have to be abstract. Um, right. And actually, can, it actually helps if you think of an actual person. It can, it absolutely can. And then, um, you know, the, the people that you just don't have fun working with. Okay. What would I say? you know, or, or, or what would I say that that doesn't talk to those people or that talks to not those people? And you can kind of go from there. Right. So kind of list out who you're looking for and who you're not looking for. And the who you're not looking for is going to help define even better who you are looking for. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and that will, you know, you can get as specific as you want on that. Uh, I know there are a lot of people who swear by the ideal client avatar. I also know some people who don't. So, I mean, there's, you know, you can do whatever, whatever you feel most comfortable about that. But, you know, I know just for, for, for the example of this book, I know the 
professions that these people will be in. I know the kind of entrepreneurship businesses they'll have. I know about how much money they're making. I know, you know, what they, what they like to do in their businesses and what they don't. I know how much of that they, um, they outsource or they have other people handle for them, things like that. Mm -hmm. So you can get as specific as you want. Yes. Well, I uh, interviewed an agent a couple of weeks ago for one of the podcasts and he used to sell books in a bookstore. He was a bookstore. Uh-huh. And every week, you know, this was before the days of Google and Amazon and everything else. He, people would come in every week and like, okay, what's new? Tell me about what's new. Or tell me, he was a Christian bookstore. Tell me about the different versions of the Bible. What's the difference on them? Which one do you think would be best for me? And he said, now as an agent, when he's looking at a proposal, he thinks about particular people. Okay, this mm. person would fit perfect for this book. So this is the kind of person that you want to be looking for to market this book to. So That's really cool. Yeah. So it, it's one of those, again, when you know what you are, and, and I love the, the, if you're solving a problem, who are you solving it for? You know, mm-hmm. how can you solve the problem? Who are you solving it for? Well, I think when you think about it like that, it makes it a little easier to figure out who your audience is than going, oh, well, I don't know. It's like, again, it's who do you do? And and those things can play off of each other really well, actually, because the sort of the the first big mistake in that category is not knowing who your audience is or who you're talking to, but the next one is not knowing what they want. Mm -hmm. Like... And those things you can, you can kind of do them in either order. Like if you know what problem you want to solve, you can look for people who have that problem. Or if you know the people that you want to talk to, you can look for the problems that those people have. Right. Right. Either way. And have have you ever done surveys? I was reading something recently about surveys that can be really helpful. um, Um, They can be. And I think, um, that it's not something that I've done yet. It, it wasn't something that I specifically did for this book, although I did have beta readers um, right. once I got through the first draft to give me feedback on it. Um, I think surveys can be really helpful if you aren't sure exactly what you want to write about yet. Mm-hmm. And because that way you can, you can talk to people and say, hey, you are such and such a person. You're the kind of person that I work with or you're the kind of person that I talk to regularly. What are some of the problems that you have? And what would be really valuable to help you solve those problems? And that can help you inform the, uh, the book that you want to write uh, if you aren't entirely sure what that book is going to be yet. And that can be super valuable because, frankly, you know, if you're just writing a book because, hey, I want to write this book, I mean, that might not be the right book for your audience. Right. And, and, and being really confident about that might end up biting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's certainly a, uh, certainly a, a potentially helpful thing to do before you start writing. Awesome. Awesome. Why do writers need professional help from book coaches and writing (laughs) coaches? What is your take on that? So that's actually the third big category of mistakes um, that that authors make without realizing it. And uh, which is just not getting professional help or not getting the right professional help or the high enough level of professional help. And, you know, it gets a little bit gray sometimes because you do sort of make a conscious decision that you are or are not going to get professional help. 
but there can still be an aspect of mistakes that you don't really know that you're making or why you're making them. Um, obviously there are financial reasons and I don't want to get off on a rant about financial reasons right now, but you know, there's a chapter about that in the book too, but, um, you know, there, there can be, it can be as simple as you don't really know how editing works Mm -hmm. or you don't really understand the value of having somebody else help you with something that, you know, is, you don't know as well. Um, there may be fear involved, there may be ego involved, uh, there may be both fear and ego involved. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, and it may even be as simple as feeling like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I must do everything myself because a lot of entrepreneurs feel like that. Yeah. And, and what's, what is, what is, what is true here? What is, what is accurate here is that if you are writing a book for your business, you need outside help because you are going to be much closer to the writing than you need to be to be able to judge it fairly and edit it accurately. And frankly, because the, the whole process is going to involve a set of skills that you may not have. Correct. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, business authors are great at, or business owners, entrepreneurs, are fantastic at running their businesses usually, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be really good at writing about those businesses. So that's where getting good help comes in because it allows you to translate that really good business acumen into a really good book. Definitely. And that's where I've seen people struggle with that, that they, um, they have this great idea but they're not really sure how to put it into a book format. And mm -hmm. so what I have found is a lot of them, like you said, do not understand the process. Um, one client that I had um, started working with recently felt he needed to have everything just perfect before he got to, before he sent it to me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I help <laughs> you do. Yep. And you don't have to stress about that because he was really stressed about it. And I'm like, that's not what you have to do is, and even when I have what I call my strategy sessions, the best book ever sessions with prospective clients, some of them think, well, I don't have my manuscript ready. Well, that's good. <laughs> Cause I'm going to mm -hmm. help you, you know, hopefully alleviate some things that you might mess up on had you not talked with me first. And so you know, working with someone, that's the point, is to make it better, to give it that professional level, the same level as your business, as well as you want that book to really shine like your business. And that's what we help you do. And we take the stress off too, because mm -hmm. you and I then give them the feedback that they need and they know how to go make it better without having to sit around in their house going, is this like it's supposed to be? Am I doing it right? I don't know. You know? Yeah. And then we can answer all those questions and help them through that process. So. Yeah. What's, well, uh, what I think is, what I think is important to, to grasp here is that we start where you finish mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's, that's, that's a really good thing because 
you know, you can get a manuscript or a draft as good as you can. And then it will still get better when we work on it. And that's really the point. Like the, the point is not to take something that is almost perfect and make it, you know, 100% perfect, partially because you probably won't actually have it almost perfect when you get to us, like you were saying, Joyce, and also because absolute perfection is uh, rarely achieved and never promised. <laughs> but um, the, there is the this idea that that an editor is going to completely change or completely mess with you know the the perfect text that you have and that's not what we do mm -hmm. uh our our job and our purpose and why we love what we do is taking something that you've done the best that you can and then making it even better so that when you, we get it back to you your response is wow i didn't know it could be this good right so that's right. that's why we're here <laughs> right and, and then they get excited too about the process yep. so exactly and you know one other thing about the professional help is and you and i have had this discussion this idea that you can write your book you know in a weekend or in 30 mm -hmm. days you know i feel like you can get a good draft in maybe in 30 days if you work really hard you know, or 90 days depending upon how long the book is and how much time you work on it but it's rarely unless you that's all you're doing completed in right <laughs> you know? right and 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 see the thing so so arbitrary book deadlines don't help people mm -hmm. unless you know you are the exact type of person who works really really well with an arbitrary deadline and not everybody does right um saying that you can write a book in 90 days you know maybe you can I know some people who can, um, and, and that may or may not include the outlining process, that may or may not include the editing process, there's a whole bunch of other question marks about, that sort of go along with that, but if you say that a benchmark is to write a book in 90 days, that means that all someone has to do to present themselves as better than you is say, well, I can write it in 80 days. I can write it in 70 days. I can write it in three weeks. I can write it in two weeks. I can write it in a weekend. I can write it in four hours. I can, you know, write it in 15 seconds without actually doing any writing or, <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, and that becomes a race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. That becomes a project system or project format where speed is more important than quality. Right. And I don't work like that. No, and I will say, if, if a client, if an author can write quickly, great. Mm -hmm. If they can't, that's okay. I mean, the point is to get a good book. The point is not to get a fast book. Right. Well, and I think there is some merit to letting it, what I call, marinate, too. Mm -hmm. um, my first book took me four years to write. It was completely different mm -hmm. than what I had originally thought it would be. And because I had let it marinate, because I had talked about it with some professionals and worked on it, and not everybody needs to take four years. A lot of that was I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, no, I, and that makes sense. And, and, and so, but I actually finished it 
in about three months, I finished it, but it was after four years, you know, three and a half years of marinating, you know, that mm-hmm. I finally got that shove of, okay, I know what I need to do. I know how to get this process done because I needed to, I'm a process girl. I needed a process and I just didn't know a good process for a while. And I yeah. finally figured out a process and that's what I teach my clients. And of course it's up to them if they need to adapt it for their whatever that works for them. But it's yeah. a great jumping off point um, for them to get them going and to get the ideas flowing, you know, and my big thing is if you are stuck on any part of your book, the outline in a chapter, whatever, and I don't know what you suggest, but my thing is do a free write of your ideas, you know, mm-hmm. 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is you need just to get those ideas out. Don't worry if it's pretty or not, or if it works and just get it out and then go back and look at it. And there's going to be content in there that's gold and some of it that you don't throw in the trash, mm-hmm. but it's going to help uh, you just, you, you helps you get rid of all that fluff up there. That's kind of dancing around and helps you get it going. Cool. So, so tell us about your writing time. Do you have a consistent writing time? Do you write daily? What works for you and doesn't work for you? Well, so what's interesting about that is that I am not, I wouldn't consider myself a consistent writer because this particular book is an isolated project for me. I've written one other book before that one, um, but this is my, you know, my second book. I call it my second first book um, for, for a couple different reasons. But <laughs> what's, what's interesting about this is I, I've worked on this book almost every day in some form for the past couple of months in, and when I was working on going from essentially uh, interview material to outline to more detailed outline to first draft. And now I'm revised and, and, and second draft and so forth. Now I'm revising uh, second draft. Um, but I didn't have a specific, like I'm going to sit down and write on this every day at eight in the morning or four in the afternoon or whatever. Um, and I also didn't feel like, you know, if I happen to miss a day, then like, okay, I've, I've broken the chain and things are screwed up or whatever. <laughs> um <laughs> I tend to look at this as a project. And so I'm going to keep working at the project until the project is done. And that's, that's a good thing because it gives me inherent momentum. It's also sometimes a less good thing because it means I have to balance that project work with other things that I'm also doing like client work and cleaning the house and working out and all the other things that I need to do. And, and then other things that I want to do, like spending time with my fiance and reading for fun and, and going for walks and so on. Um, you mean you have a life besides, I'm sorry, you have a life. Yeah, I, right. Yours? Well, I, I try, I try to, it doesn't always happen, but <laughs> I try to have a life. Um, um, I think that, having a writing system or a writing practice can work really well for the people that having that kind of system or practice would work really well for. And, and I realize that's circular. Um, I, it, it, it's the similar thing to having an arbitrary deadline. If that works really well for you, then do it. 
And if it doesn't work really well for you, don't try to do it because it's just going to drive you mad. Right. Um, if I had to say that I'm going to get up and write at 8.30 in the morning every morning and that that's what I'm going to use that time for every single day until the book is entirely done, I wouldn't have finished the book. I would have been like, screw this. I want to go for a walk or I want to read or I want to sleep in or whatever. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of moments where I'm like, okay, this is just the immediate thing that I need to do. This is what I want to do right now. This is the most important thing for me on my list right now. And sometimes that's great. And other times I will procrastinate on other things by working on this thing, which is actually a thing. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Don't worry. Yep. Yep. Um, but no, I mean, you know, do I have a, a, a specific writing system? Not really. But if I needed one, I would have one. Right. Well, and when you do sit to write, do, is there a certain place or do you like to go to coffee shops or, or a place in your home? What do you like to do? Cause this is always fun to know what other writers mm -hmm. do. So. Oh yeah, sure. Well, so I, I, my, my fiance and I have a very, very small duplex. So I usually work kind of where I am right now, which is on one end of the couch with like big bookshelf next to me over here. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll just sort of sit here and work. I, I can work in coffee shops. I'm actually have, I, I got pretty good at working in public places when I was doing a road trip around the country uh, and living on the road. So I got pretty good at it then. And I certainly can, but uh, I don't usually go out of my way to, uh, I, I like being able to work from home because, you know, my commute is about 15 feet and it's nice. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yep. I like that. Well, and for me where I live, it's too much of a trip. I'm, I'm out in the country now. And mm -hmm. so, so to get to the coffee shop is 25 minutes that I could be writing or doing something else and 25 sure. minutes back, you know, so unless I've got to go to town to do something else, it wouldn't mm -hmm. really be pr productive for me. And I have a beautiful view out my back. So if I want a beautiful there you view, go. just go look at the beautiful view out my back door. So I, I, I get, I get that, you know, but some people, they love that and they thrive on the energy of being other places. And so that works for them. And I, and I certainly can. I mean, there have been any number of times when, uh, so my fiance is a group fitness trainer and there have been a number of times when, uh, you know, I've gone with her to the gym and she's taught a couple of classes and I've like done my own workout and then I've had an hour to kill. So I'll just bring my laptop and work in the lobby and okay, that's like not ideal, but I can certainly do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've worked in coffee shops and I've worked at real restaurants and, uh, libraries and other places like that. But hey, I mean, 15 feet commute can't beat that with a stick. <laughs> no, no. And then, of course, depending upon what stage of life somebody's in, if they're still working, you know, working from home or working on their lunch break, you know, they, um, I used to sit in my car on my lunch break because I just wanted silence and I didn't mm. hear anybody and I didn't want to speak to anybody. <laughs> I just wanted to and if I wanted to think or write, I could. So, um, you know, that's always a good thing if you're working and you need a little breathing room, just go sit in your car and, sure. and take a chill from everybody. But uh, well, tell us a little bit more about your book. And we, you said it will release on October 1st. Correct. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about uh, um, what we have to look forward to. Okay, well, so one thing that I haven't mentioned about this book yet is that um, I got to interview 
26 other book professionals, uh, including you, Joyce, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to get perspective and insight on some of these mistakes that authors are making. And so, um, you know, the book is still in my voice. It's not just an anthology of quotations anymore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, throughout the book, you're going to hear from some of these people because some of them had stories to share about particular mistakes that they made or that they saw. And some of them will have other insights. And I'll, I usually will have sort of at the end of each chapter, there'll be a little bit of like a couple of expert quotes, particularly to that chapter and that kind of thing. So you're going to hear a lot from me, but you're also going to hear from a bunch of other people uh, who have had some, some similar and some different experiences who will uh, give a, a incredible insights over and above everything that I can bring to the table. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to be super fun. Well, and um, I think that's great bringing in other people. It just, it builds that, I feel that momentum and that energy in your book because you're mm -hmm. not hearing just from you, but other people are, are you know, validating your ideas and saying, yeah. hey, I've seen this too. I'm with you. I understand. And, so I think that's great. And I, I, I love that, that you've done that in the book. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, so the book right now is, uh, it's being edited. Uh, it's with my first editor currently, and she's giving me some feedback. I've actually been doing some rewrites based on her first feedback uh, this week. And yeah, so it should be finished up uh, with all the different editing with both editors uh, by late August and it'll come out October 1st. So I'm really yeah. excited. I'm excited too for you. And where will we be able to find the book? Okay, so um, right now, if you go to uh, jamesranson.com slash crappy dash book, you can get some information about when the launch is going to happen. You can sign up for uh, some exclusive preview content that I send out to people so they can like see behind the scenes of writing it. And um, you'll also get a little free download of some of the best quotes from each of the interviews that I did that I'm just that I'll just send out as a thank you for jumping onto that list. And uh, as we get closer to launch time, I will be letting people know through that list, you know, okay, here's where things are going to be. Here's the website you can go to. Here's the Amazon link, all that fun stuff. Wonderful. And I'll have that link in the show notes. So everybody, excellent. if you miss that link, look in the show notes, you will see that link to find out. Yep. The, um, and you're giving away, is it 27 epic? Um, yeah, it's, it's the 27 most epic quotes said in interviews for this book. Um, so there's a quote from Joyce in there, and there's a quote from me, and there's 25 others that are pretty cool. So, Great, great. So well, I appreciate it, James. Is there any advice that you would give to writers that are maybe they're just starting out or they've written one or two books, but they weren't maybe the best or they're, or they're ready to go again, but they're scared? Yeah, I mean, any advice for those a couple different groups of people, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that, that's, that's a couple different things. So for the people who are just starting out, I would say start with quality. Like that, that may mean slightly different things for different people, but use that as, as a benchmark and as a, as a, a guide for what you're going to do and, and how you're going to do it going forward and, and be asking yourself with whatever advice you hear and whatever uh, programs you may look into and systems you may find and so forth. Um, 
do I think that this will help me write a really high quality book? Will this help me write the best book that I can? And, you know, if the answer is, is heck yeah, then great. And if the answer is, well, I don't know, I'm not sure, then, well, maybe keep looking. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like, I mean, because that is another mistake that I write about is, is choosing and then sticking to a system that isn't right for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't have to stick to a system that isn't right for you. You can try something else. Right. And then for the people who have been doing this for a little while uh, and who, you know, maybe are getting a little frustrated or a little concerned, um, I will also say to choose quality, but I'm also going to, I'm going to approach that slightly differently. I would say sit down with yourself and, and be, you know, get, get honest with yourself about, you know, what is it that you've been doing or maybe not doing mm-hmm. that, that is keeping you from choosing quality as much as maybe you could. And that might mean that you're in a wrong system, or that might mean that you are uh, making another, uh, a couple different mistakes that you hadn't thought about. Um, there may be fear, there may be ego, there may be some other issues. And, it, and frankly, it may just be that you need to talk to somebody you haven't talked to before. Mm-hmm. So, um, Find an editor guess, if you haven't. <laughs> well, well, clearly, yes. If, you have, if you've never worked with an editor, you should, you should do that, definitely. Get one of those. Um, but... I, I would say for, for anyone, either of those parties or, or any parties, find somebody to work with that is as dedicated to the success and quality of your book as you are. Mm-hmm. Whether that's me, whether that's Joyce, whether that's somebody else, you know, right. any of those are fine. But, um, but make sure that you do that. Right. Definitely. I agree. And, you know, the, here's the thing that I, make, I think a lot of people know, you and I have talked about this, it goes this back into investing in yourself. If mm-hmm. you're afraid to invest in a book coach, a writing coach, an editor, you're investing in yourself and to make your book better. And the better quality book you have, the more likely you're going to sell it and sell more. Because you can sell a book, but they're not going to come back for your second or third book if the first book they had to drudge through where they read five pages and put it down and said, why did I buy this? You know, they, you want to make it so that they will come back and they're like drooling and waiting for the next book, you know, <laughs> because you helped them out in such a powerful way or you spoke to their business or whatever the problem is that you're solving for them in such a powerful way that you, mm-hmm. they want to hear from you again. So that's the key is, you know, you're yeah, exactly. powerful and you want to have them hear from you again. Well, James, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Uh, no, I think this is good. I think we covered a lot of great ground today. Just um, check out my book when it comes out, shameless plug, and, uh, and have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. Yes. And don't write a crappy book. And don't write a crappy book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, James. And you have a great day. Appreciate it. You too. Thanks, Joyce. Take care. Thank you for joining me today on the Rhine Hour, nonfiction tips from the Rhine Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. 
leave a review, and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book. Thank you.